Hey everyone, welcome to Education Beyond the Classroom. I'm your host, Allison Schaefer. We are heading into day seven of my mini-series on cognitive decline. I've been sharing my dad's story and his journey with Alzheimer's. I did share an episode yesterday and talked about the facility and how he ended up in a psych ward. I'm going to reflect on that a little bit because I didn't clarify something I brought up yesterday. I talked about how we needed to talk to a lawyer to get him into the psych Ward. So the purpose of the lawyer was to validate that dad was in the right place to go to a psych ward. Now, I can't give you specifics as to why. I just know in order to get him out of the memory care facility, um, we had to have a lawyer in place just to validate where he was. And how we did that was a meeting at the Rose Unit, at the psych ward, and it was the director of the psych ward, a lawyer, and mom and dad, and Keith, and a recorder. Um, at one point, it was just uh, my mom and dad and the other crew, and Keith was outside of the room. In that particular moment, um, I saw the lawyer and how he was acting with Dad, this is a teachable moment. Um, I was kind of holding mom and dad's hands, and dad was upset. Mom was crying. Um, dad was angry because the lawyer gave him a piece of paper and said, write down what you just said. Um, a very belittling type of situation for someone with Alzheimer's. So in that instance, um, we closed up the meeting. Everybody left except the recorder and the lawyer and I. And at that moment, I connected with him and said, do you understand about Alzheimer's and dementia? I know what his your role is, meaning the lawyer. All he was there for was to validate dad's mind and that he could be going, you know, he can stay in this Rose unit. And there was only a, 10 people that, or no, not even, six people that could be residents at this psych ward. So it, it had to go through some red tape, so to speak. The lawyer had nothing to say to me, and I kind of I didn't light him up, but um, the recorder later came up to me outside of the room, and she said, thank you for saying something, and it's just like, it, it, it is not about me. My emphasis is on the fact, be an advocate for your loved one who has zero voice for themselves, and teach people. People aren't aware of Alzheimer's and dementia, and sometimes it gets a really bad rap, and people t uh, treat people with Alzheimer's and dementia very negatively at times. So be that advocate, be that voice for those who cannot be a voice for themselves. All right, just wanted to clarify that. I'm going to quickly take you. This is the beginning of the end of Dad's life. So he's in the psych ward, and I said, you know, they took him off of his meds. Again, going to reiterate, document, document, document everything. What are the meds? What are they doing? They're documenting it, but you will have it just as peace of mind. And like I said, I had a notebook of everything that occurred. Or, I'm sorry, not everything. As best as I could, I wrote everything down. So dad was better. He was able to come home for an evening for dinner. Then he went back. 
But within two, two and a half weeks, I, again, chronologically, I'm not too good with this, um, he ended up getting super sick. He had diarrhea, he was throwing up, and he was in a lot of pain. So they had to transfer him in a helicopter from um, the city he was in to another city, which was about 15 minutes away. In that time frame, the psych ward director called my brother and said, hey, and it's, it's two in the morning. Your dad's really sick. Can you meet him at the hospital? Um, he's, you know, he's going to be flying in, etc. So Keith calls us and um, Keith was there first. So he was there to welcome dad off the helicopter. In Keith's words, he said he felt like James Bond because it was really cool seeing the helicopter land. That's just how, you know, brother Keith, that's, you know, how he felt about it. But he was there for dad. He he helped him and made him feel com comfortable and said, dad, I'm here. And then um, they went inside and then Deb and I got there and we were inside the hospital. The doctor, dad was in a room but we were talking to the doctor, all three of us. This is a time that I actually hit a wall of pain and screaming later. Um, anyways, dad has, he had a DNR, do not resuscitate. Please, 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 I'm going to strongly advise before your loved one gets too far into the Alzheimer's or dementia, cognitive decline, find out what their wishes are for a do, a do not resuscitate. Find out ahead of time so you can implement that. So Brother Keith was saying, hey, can you fix him? And the doctor starts going over exactly what he's going to do to help with the aortic aneurysm. And I think I almost fainted. They didn't know I was trying. I was like trying to just hide it. And I think I was just devastated that it was happening. And then, um, so dad goes into his first surgery. He goes into the surgery and he comes out and um, we think he's doing okay. In the meantime, mom and sister Leslie are down in Florida and because Leslie had a trade show down there. We had to call them back. And so they were not back yet. So dad comes out of his surgery. We didn't get to see him. We had to wait until he recovered more. He never recovered from that one because his stomach... Um, was distended. So they ended up not tying off one of the blood vessels inside of him. So he's bleeding internally. So Deb and Keith and I, we got to talk to dad before he went in for his second surgery. Dad's 76 and this is rough, man. He's going in for his second surgery to figure out how they can stop the bleeding in there. And they, they're putting us in a private room because they think he's not going to make it. So all of us were talking to him. They did let us talk to him. And I was whispering in his ear. And I was like, Dad, I kind of get in the face when all this stuff happens. And I was like, Dad, Mom's not here. Leslie's not here. They're coming back from Florida. Try to make it because Mom would want to see you. And both Deb and Keith are like, Dad, come on. You get it? You know, we're all like cheering and everything. Well, lo and behold, he did make it. He made it and mom and Leslie um, got back and they were able to see dad. So the journey from the surgery to um, hospice was, you know, 
up and down emotions, obviously, and a situation arose where um, dad was in the intensive care unit and the doctor didn't even pay attention to his chart. And I was, I was watching, I was outside, the pastor was there outside watching this whole, um, situation, um, whole scene, I should say from the outside. And the guy went in, the doctor went in and said, Hey Dick, how you doing? And dad starts shaking and he's agitated. He's got a ventilator on. He wants to pull it off, but they had his arms tied down. Oh my God, it was bad. So I of course addressed the doctor <laughs> at that time and, um, said, did you even look at his chart? Do you know that he has Alzheimer's. No, no, no. And um, I guess it was good because the nurses are like, he needs to be told that because he does that a lot. Teachable moment is to connect and raise awareness with people who are going to be in your loved one's life. Life, if they have Alzheimer's dementia, they can't talk for themselves. So, and I know sometimes it's hard. Step away, re-engage. So step away, disconnect for a little, and then re-engage. Anyways, that was another teachable moment. It's not all about me. It's like everybody's taking care of dad. That's another talk I'll talk about. Like We all fell into our roles in the family. So dad ended up, um, we took him off his life support June 6th, and transferred him to hospice. We didn't transfer him. He went to hospice and he passed away by June 11th. I will tell you this, hospice was phenomenal. They take us through the stages of death and they're there and they're very calming and they're peaceful. And I strongly suggest it's like, um, if you can connect with hospice for your loved one, then that's the way to go because they will make you feel um, comfortable with their passing, so to speak. So again, dad passed um, shortly after, you know, five days after he was removed from life support and he passed. All of us were visiting him and he actually passed... Well, mom and her sister was there and mom said he opened his eyes, looked at her, smiled and went. I believe they're there all the time. And I will tell you this, always, always think that they're listening because they are, even though their eyes are shut and they seem like they're not there. They're there. They're there for sure. And my whole story with my mom will kind of justify that as well. So dad was there. There was other things that happened while we were all hanging in his room and stuff. He would get agitated because we're too loud. And I'd be like, dad, are we too loud? And he'd be like, just kind of moving his head. And I'm going, all right, he's there. So keep that in mind. Enough about dad's story. There are so many other things. If you ever want to talk about it, um, I'm going to leave my contact information because again, I've been through the ringer, but um, not I, our family, that sounded really snotty, our entire family, you know, has been through the ringer with both dad and mom. So about facilities, you guys, when you look for a facility, and we did not do it the correct way for dad, we did mostly for mom, you might feel guilty about what you're doing, but it's long-term care. And 
if you as the caregiver are start, starting to um, not suffer, but your health is starting to suffer, you, you have to think about that because you don't want two of you going down that path. You have to think about that's the reason that we put dad in a facility because mom's health and she was just stressed and she, I think she had like anxiety and panic because she would get really faint and dizzy and sweats and, um, and so she was going through stuff herself. Now I'm going to quickly go through, um, different types of long-term residential care because there's different types that you could have a continuing care retirement community, which basically is just like a community for people to hang out and stuff. And people do that um, if they don't have loved ones around to care for them or other, you know, situations. So it's basically you don't really have too many health problems, but you have someone there who can be there if something happens. And then assisted living facility has rooms, apartments for people who may need some help with daily tasks. And some assisted living facilities actually have special Alzheimer's units or memory care units. <clears throat> That's what mom was in. So the units have staff who check on and care for the people with Alzheimer's. And then there's group homes. So it's where several people who they can't even, they can't care for themselves and they have staff care for them and a caregiver is on site all the time. And then nursing homes and people might be familiar with that, a place for people who can't care for themselves at all anymore, like the Alzheimer's one. And then some nursing homes, again, have that special um, unit for the people who have gone down the Alzheimer's dementia and they have significant decline. So when you start looking for a facility, um, connect with everybody in your support system. So for dad, it was um, us kids and mom and then mom's sister because she used to care for elderly. So we all got together and it's like, hey, talk about this. Is this the right time to do it? Check resources, you guys. There's actually a nursing home compare. So Google, we're really fortunate right now that we have all these different resources and find out about the different facilities in your loved one's area. And then make a list of questions that you want to ask about the facility. But again, you can find all this online. So ask some of these questions of yourself. How does the staff care for the residents? And then watch that. And then is the staff friendly? So we actually were able, like for mom, to go into a couple of the facilities and watch and see. And I'll, I'll share some other stuff as I share mom's story. And then does the place feel comfortable? Um, I have a friend, Kim, who we talk about um, energy and how you can feel that. And it's like, do you feel that this is a place, you know, that's comfortable? And then how do the people look who are living there? What do the residents look like? And remember I told you the story about dad and dad was wandering the halls at 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon in his pajamas, his hair disarray, sometimes no glasses. He always wore glasses, carrying mom and dad's, you know, a picture of them. Um, is the facility clean and well-maintained? And then does it smell bad? 
And how do the staff members speak to the residents? That's huge, 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 huge. And then what activities are planned for residents? How many staff members are at the facility? How many of them are trained to provide medical care if needed? I'm going to end right there because I've already went way over my time again. And I so appreciate you guys hopping on. If this is the first time, hit follow and you'll get a notification. And please, please take care of yourselves, you guys. One life, one time through. That's it. And Always keep on learning because learning truly is the essence of life. I will catch you on the flip side. Peace out.